Hello, everybody. This is Pastor Joe of Word of Prayer Cultural Center in Largo, Maryland. Thank you so much for taking the time to listen to our podcast. It is my prayer that you are both blessed and enriched by what you hear. Feel free to share with friends and family, and also feel free to follow us on our social media outlets, Facebook and Instagram. Our social media handle is at Wopsy, W-O-P-C-C. Visit us online at wopsy.church. God bless and happy listening. Thank you that this word will be a word that will be a word that will set the captives free. And we thank you, Father, uh, that there's freedom in you. And we thank you that your freedom is all in this word. We thank you that your love, uh, that this word is laced with love and smeared in your love. And we thank you that it will be well received as well as well uh, applied. And Father, we thank you so much, Lord, that we indeed not only are hearers of this word, but let us be doers of it also, that we may live, Lord, better lives uh, for you and for your glory. We thank you. We thank you. We thank you. In the mighty name of Jesus, we pray. Amen. Amen. God is good. God is good. God is good. God is good. Yes, he is. Hallelujah. Amen. As we get started, we we welcome you and we thank you uh, for joining in with us in this worship experience and this encounter. And we believe that in addition to Uh, the worship experience um, that has happened thus far, that there is a word from the Lord that is coming right now. And um, so we thank you that as you prepare uh, your hearts, that you are on one accord, that God is going to speak like never before. Uh, We thank you for joining us, and we thank you for rocking with us during this time. Uh, We understand, you know, that as we go through different Uh, phases and things like that, that different things will happen, Um, but we will keep you posted on that great day uh, that we all will be back in here. What a day of rejoicing that's going to be. Amen. But we're going to make sure that it's in uh, God's time and not government's time. Amen. Um, And so we bless God for that. We also want to give you uh, the opportunity to sow uh, via cash app, and so that information is dollar sign W-O-P-C-C. This is the time where uh, it's time to give, and giving is indeed a part of worship. And so uh, we worship God through giving of our our praise and um, through giving also of our finances as we are stewards over that which he has given us. It all belongs to him, amen? Amen. And so um, we thank you for that. And so as you prepare in that way, then... Um, I would like to remind you that we are on a series. Today is part three um, of that series, and that series is entitled Dealing with Disappointment, all right? Dealing with Disappointment. If you're joining us for the first time, uh, you know, let's start taking some notes. If you are joining us for the second or third, you already have uh, your notes, but we're going to add to them today. Amen? Amen. Amen. Dealing um, with disappointment. And so uh, the, the focal scripture, if you will, is Isaiah uh, chapter 55, verse numbers 8 and 9. And it reads, for my thoughts are not your thoughts. 
It says, neither are your ways my ways, saith the Lord. For as the heavens are higher than the earth, so are my ways higher than your ways, and my thoughts than your thoughts. Okay? Uh, If we look at it in the New Living Translation, it reads, my thoughts are nothing like your thoughts, says the Lord. And my ways are far beyond anything you could imagine. (laughs) For just as the heavens are higher than the earth, so my ways are higher than your ways. And my thoughts higher than your thoughts. We like to uh, visit our buddy, the message, because he likes to give it to us straight. And the message says, I don't think the way you think. The way you work isn't the way I work, God's decree, okay? I don't think the way you think. The way you work isn't the way I work, God's decree. And so um, dealing with disappointment, quick uh, catch up. Uh, We have what's called the pyramid of disappointment. And this is a visual aid to help us uh, get a glimpse of uh, how disappointment is the root that leads to ultimately defeat. And so you start with disappointment, and if you continue to travel uh, that downward spiral of sorts, you will end up uh, at the place of defeat. But you don't just jump there. You don't even jump from disappointment to depression. There are a few things that happen. Um, and so we, we are on a journey to identify um, the root of disappointment in our lives, because if we identify that root, Um, And if we identify where that's coming from, then that will keep us from this downward spiral. And so we'll see disappointment at the top, uh, which is a feeling of sadness or displeasure caused by the non-fulfillment of one's hopes or expectations. Then the next step, uh, once you have been disappointed, that will lead to discouragement. And discouragement is a loss of confidence or enthusiasm. Um, It's dispiritedness okay so then from there um, we have disappointment that leads to discouragement then that leads to disillusionment a feeling of disappointment resulting from the discovery that something is not as good as one believed it to be and so remember the enemy uh, wants to get you to believe that God is not good as you believed him to be. But we know that the enemy is a liar. And we know that just because we've experienced disappointment does not mean that God isn't good. Um, And then from there, we'll find ourselves going to depression. Uh, Feelings of severe despondency and dejection. And then uh, lastly, we'll end up at the place of defeat where the enemy has uh, caused you to believe that lie Uh, that you lose. And that is a lie because we do what? We win. Yes, we do. We win. Um, And so this is the pyramid of disappointment. And during this series, what we're doing is we're on a journey to unpack disappointment because disappointment is the root of discouragement, disillusionment, depression, and defeat. I, I call them Uh, disappointments cousins okay Um, and disappointment honestly may be the root of something that you are dealing with in your life right now and some of us dealing with again remember last week we talked about that again right and so if you haven't truly identified the root 
of the disappointment, and when you haven't identified the root of a thing, then it's impossible to identify its what? Anybody remember? It's triggers, okay? Uh, what is a trigger? A trigger is a prompt, all right? A trigger is a prompt. What prompts something to happen? And so there are triggers, there are prompts that are associated with disappointment, but if you don't look at the root, the why of the disappointment, then you certainly won't be able to identify its triggers. And so we talked about uh, the truth, your truth, but remember, contrary to popular belief, there's only one of those. There's only one truth. You may have a different view of the truth. You may have had your legitimate experience surrounding the truth, but there's only one truth. And so we have to make sure, therefore, that we are not living according to perspective, but we've got to, we've got to search for truth, okay? Watch out now, because the enemy uh, would love to see you living and seeing from the dingy lens of disappointment, okay? Yeah, that dirty lens. Um, and so the first step in addressing and unpacking disappointment is discovering the root of the disappointment. And remember, we have a formula for this thing. The formula is what? The square root of disappointment is why, okay? Uh, yeah, we're, we're in a, uh, you know, a algebra class of sorts for a second. The square root of disappointment is why, W-H-Y. Why is this causing me disappointment, okay? And so one of the things that we pause to do is to take a look at the word control as it relates to what is causing me disappointment. Am I disappointed about something that I have control over or something outside of my control? Or am I disappointed about something where some of uh, what falls under that umbrella I'm in control of and some I'm not? And so that's where we have our circle of control. Our circle of control is a visual to help us sort out those things to say, okay, all right, what's inside of here, these are the things that I can control. And the things that are outside of this circle uh, I, I mean, I, I want to, but I can't control. If I try to control them, I'll go crazy. I'll be stressed out, and it, it won't be good. So what I'm going to do is the things inside of this circle of control, I'm going to get with God, and I'm going to ask him to help me fix it. And the things that are outside of this circle of control, I'm going to get with God, and I'm going to ask him to help me let it go. Somebody say, let it go. Let it go. Let it go. Okay. And so what I've come to realize, um, additionally, as we talk about disappointments and uh, how it relates, especially to believers who put our faith in God for certain things, that one of the biggest conduits of disappointment is our nature to take what God said about a thing and attach it to our own time expectations regarding it. And so this is one of the biggest reasons that believers become disappointed with God. And so the enemy wants for your disappointment to lead to distraction. You know, distracted from uh, the work 
that you need to do in the kingdom, distracted from loving uh, your family the right way, and he just wants you distracted uh, because he knows that if he can get you to be distracted, then he can get you to lose faith. He can get you to end up wandering in a wilderness of sorts, experiencing God's provision, but never seeing the manifestation of his promise. And I don't know about you, but I, 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 I praise God for his provision, but I also, um, I'm determined to get his promises. Amen. And so the thing about God's promises, though, that we must realize is that they often do not come with manifestation dates. That a lot of times when we think that, okay, God said this is going to I know that this is going to happen. And, and, and then from there, we decide when is the opportune time time in our lives for that to happen. And so uh, we go ahead and, and, and we put a date on that thing. And so when God doesn't meet our expectations regarding the date or the time, and sometimes, okay, God, I'll give you a second chance. I'll change the date. I'll add, a, you know, another six months to it. Definitely by then, you should have, you know, we should be on the same page. And so we continue to do things like that, and we continue to be disappoint, disappointed. But the enemy comes in and makes you think that God never said what he said, but that's not the thing. It's that God never said what you said. Amen? And so... He says in his word, and this is a scripture for us to stand on regarding that, 2 Peter 3, 9, the Lord isn't really being slow about his promise as some people think. No, he is being patient for your sake. And we have to remember that to him a day is as a thousand years and a thousand years is as a day. And our resolve is this, if God said it, he will do it. Anybody really believe that? Do you really believe that if he said it, he's going to do it? Amen. Amen. And so we pulled out a weapon last week, and that weapon was that of thanksgiving. Thanksgiving is a weapon, an antidote, if you will, in regards to disappointment. Uh, We use it to combat disappointment. And so remember that example where we had, I had my head dumped down in disappointment to the fact that my heart was held hostage, blinding me of God's goodness that was surrounding me. You remember we had sister goodness and brother goodness and the other sister goodness. And so goodness was all around me, but because my head was dumped in disappointment, I was not able to even realize all of the goodness that was around me. And so we are reminded to give thanks in everything, as Thessalonians says, not for everything, but in everything we give thanks. Amen? So right now I want to talk to you a little bit about the psychology of disappointment. Um, There indeed is a psychological aspect to this thing that we call disappointment. It's not, um, you know, just a matter of uh, physical. Disappointment is, of course, metaphysical, um, meaning that it transcends physical matter. And at the root of things, um, we must know that disappointment is an emotion, okay? That's something worth writing down. We're talking about the psychology of disappointment. Disappointment is an emotion, okay? So an emotion is defined as a natural instinctive state of mind deriving from one's circumstances, mood, or relationships with others. 
I'm going to say that again. So an emotion, you all. Disappointment is an emotion. And an emotion is a natural. Somebody say natural. It's natural. Natural instinctive state of mind deriving from one's circumstances, mood, or relationships with others. Now, aren't you so glad that as believers, we do not operate off of circumstances, we do not operate off of mood, and we do not operate off of our relationships with others. We operate solely um, at the end of the day uh, based off of our relationship with God uh, as he is sovereign. Yes, we are affected by these other things. We acknowledge these other things, but we do not have to be subjected and slave to these things. And so emotionally, y'all, listen up, when an outcome is worse than expected, that's when the person will experience the emotion disappointment, all right? So that's how we experience it. Emotionally, when an outcome is worse than expected, then the person will experience the emotion disappointment. It's a feeling. You feel disappointment. In other words, when things go right, you feel happy. Can anybody attest to that? When things go right, you feel happy. But when things go wrong, you often feel frustration, regret, and, yes, disappointment. So this is all natural. Remember, say natural. We're all in this together. Remember, disappointment is not a sin. This is all a part of the human experience. However, this is the caveat as it relates to the believer. We are, by God, created to be spiritual beings having a natural experience, not natural beings having a spiritual experience. And in that, as believers, we have been given the tools to have spiritual dominance over the natural realm. Anybody with me? All right, anybody with me? We have the tools to have a, a spiritual dominance over the natural realm. So just because something uh, is natural within us, even in terms of our emotions, it doesn't mean that we just have to go with it, okay? It doesn't mean that, that we have to live life according to it. And so this includes things pertaining to our health, this includes things pertaining to our relationships. This includes things pertaining to our finances. Whatever area of life, naturally, we have access to a spiritual law that can defy and supersede that natural one. Any witnesses in here? Has anybody ever been in a situation, remember, where we said, no way, it's no way that should have happened, and it's no way this should have happened, and this doesn't add up, and this doesn't calculate, and if you look on the doctor's charts, they said that by now, this would be here, and this would be there, when it doesn't happen according to what research says, and when it doesn't happen according to what studies say, and when it doesn't happen according according to what trends say, then that means that God has stepped in and he has slapped his super on your natural. And now you are experiencing something supernatural. And I come here to tell you that you can experience the supernatural even in your emotions. You receive that? Or you just want to, you want to limit it to physical? He can only do that with health, right? He can, no, 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 no. He, he can only do that. No, he can do that with your 
emotions. He can supernaturally fix you up to the point that you don't emotionally look like what you've been through. Come on. He, he, listen, he, if you get with God on this thing, then he can bandage you up and he can fix you up and he can smooth you out. Listen, he makes the crooked edges straight and he makes the rough edges smooth and God is able to get you to the point where nobody would have known that you were molested when you were a child. Yeah, 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 yeah. He, he could get you to the point that whenever you bring it up, it's out of testimony and not tears. Yeah, yeah, yeah. He, he, could, get you, he could get you to that point that, 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 that whenever you bring it up, you're reflecting on a time and not dealing with the tension that is now. He's able to do it, and, and I know that it doesn't make sense, but it's not supposed to because we're talking about something that's within the realm of faith, dealing with the unseen. And so sometimes you got to give God those emotions that you didn't think were reversible. You got to give him the feelings that you thought you would feel for the rest of your life. You thought that 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 thing was a death sentence, but God says it's a life sentence because people will get life even out of your testimony. And that's why I'm trying to fix you up so that you can let somebody know that I am the heart fixer and the mind regulator. Anybody receive that thing? Mm hmm. Mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. So, so, in other words, you all, when things go right, you naturally feel happy. But when things go wrong, you often feel frustration, regret, and disappointment. And so, the challenge for the believer, you and I, is this. If I feel happy when things go right, but I feel frustrated, regretful, and disappointment uh, or disappointed when things go wrong. The challenge is to disassociate things going right from things going my way. Let's say that again. So if I have this emotional connection, it's natural. It's nothing wrong with me. But... I'm happy when things go right, but I'm frustrated, I'm, I'm regretful, I'm disappointed when things go wrong, then as a believer, I have to disassociate things going wrong from things going my way. In other words, just because it didn't go my way doesn't mean it went wrong. Can you accept that? Just because it didn't go as I planned doesn't mean it went wrong. Just because it didn't go according to my timeline doesn't mean it went wrong. Just because I prayed for that job. I, I, I mean, I prayed and I called on other people. And I prayed for that job and I didn't get it doesn't mean that it went wrong. Come on, this is big boy stuff here. This is big girl stuff. Are you ready to put on your big boys and your big girl stuff in the spirit? Because listen. We have been taught and trained, naturally it's okay, that if it didn't go the way I wanted to go, then it's gone wrong. But in kingdom, if it didn't go the way that God wanted it to go, that's when it's gone wrong. It cannot go my way and still be as right as the days are long. There's a difference between things going right and things going my way. I need you to receive that. 
Yeah, yeah. We we can't we can't want to do his will our way. Our posture has to be, Lord, we submit to your will and we submit to your way, not Lord, we're cool with your will as long as I can have it my way, like BK. <laughs> Even if it's not what I conceptualized, God, even if it's not what I had planned for, I believe that your plan is greater than my plan. Can anybody go there? I believe in Jeremiah 29, 11, which says that you know the plans. I know the plans you have for me, declares the Lord. Plans to prosper you and not to harm you. Plans to give you hope in the future. I believe that. I believe if you said no, then it's for my good. I believe if you said yes, then it's for my good. And so now my emotional attachment is not going to be based off of the yes that I expected or the no that I didn't expect. It's going to be based off of being in agreement with your yes, God, and being in agreement with your no, God, because your yes and your no is a reminder that you are perfecting everything that concerns me. <laughs> If my plan is not your plan, God, then my plan is canceled in the name of Jesus. If my right is not your right, God, then it's wrong in Jesus' name. Scripture says in Proverbs 14, 12, that there is a way that seemeth right unto man, but the end thereof are the ways of death. God, thank you for keeping me alive with your no. God, thank you. I wouldn't be here without your not yet. Come on, somebody. I need somebody to get this. Because if you gave it to me then, it would have taken me out. If, if I got, oh, Jesus. Yes to your will and yes to your way. I believe, God, I believe, I believe that you're perfecting everything that concerns me. I believe, God that it's for my sake, <laughs> whatever it is. You're yes, you're no, you're not yet. It's, it's, it's for my sake. When our will is different from God's, and when we are so hung up on our will, as if that is the will that's sovereign, we will land in the place of disappointment. So then we'll go on this emotional roller coaster of sorts because there are a few emotions a disappointment is an emotion but there are other emotions um, that relate to disappointment one of them is sadness yeah one of them is anger okay one of them is apathy and so I'm disappointed I feel this emotion of disappointment and so re relating to this disappointment I'm just sad just, just not happy, you know. Um, I'm angry, you know. I, I'm annoyed, uh, displeasured, hostility. I'm mad. I want to take it out on somebody. Apathy. I lack interest. I don't even care no more. I'm not enthused. I'm not concerned. I'm not convicted. I, I just don't care. Okay. These are emotions. Does this sound familiar to anybody? This, that's rhetorical. Uh, these are emotions relating to disappointment. And the reason that I'm highlighting those is because you may 
feel like you may not be disappointed in the area, but then you realize that you have apathy towards something. That, that was not birth overnight. You did not decide to be apathetic about that thing. You have got to get to the root of why have I lost interest? Why have I lost enthusiasm? Why am I no longer concerned? Why do I no longer pray about this thing? Why do I no longer talk about this thing? Why don't I care anymore? Because I once cared. So care must be there. Why have I made the decision not to care? What am I protecting about my emotions out of the place of I don't care? And am I willing to address that thing? Or am I going to continue to go life, go through life acting like I don't care about something that I really care deeply about? But if I go there, I don't want it to hurt like it did. Amen. And so disappointment is an emotion that stimulates the parasympathetic nervous system. It's a chemical response that is triggered, which results in melancholy, uh, inertia, which is a tendency to do nothing or to remain unchanged, and a feeling of hopelessness. This is all natural. This is all what chemically happens uh, and is triggered as a response of the emotion of disappointment. Uh, if there is a prolonged roller coaster of emotions, excitement and, and, and stress followed by melancholy and inertia, uh, serious stress um, induced disease may occur. Disease may occur. <laughs> disease may occur. The enemy wants for you to be at dis-ease. Disease may occur. Uh, they, they may include heart disease, digestive disorder, and depressed immune system. And so listen, y'all, this thing is serious. That's why we've got to deal with this stuff. Some people's lives are being cut short because they're not dealing with this stuff. You know, the enemy is literally trying to use this to take us out. And so disappointment, although emotional and psychological, it can turn literally physical. Okay? It literally can turn physical. Remember, the enemy comes to do what? Steal, to kill, and to destroy. And so the enemy is trying to break you down. He's not trying to just break you down spiritually. He's trying to break you down physically. And he knows that if emotions like disappointment are not dealt with, then they can literally act as a medium to execute his mission of breaking you down. WOPBI Associates Program Module 3, Understand Warfare, Healing, and Deliverance. We know about that. Uh, 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 the chapter or, or one of the sections is called Battle for the Body. The, the enemy is not just after your spirit. He's not just after your mind. The enemy is after your body. Yes, he is. The enemy is after your body. That's why he tries to get you, you know, to, to sleep with, with, with anybody. That's why he tries to, you know, uh, keep you up at night so that you won't be rested. That's why, you know, and this is the ouch moment, he gets you to eat any old thing and fill your body with trash. Listen, he's after your body because he knows that our bodies are a housing place. For the spirits that we are, remember, you are a spirit, you possess a soul, and you live in a body. My body is a housing place for the spirit that I am and the soul that I have 
And check this. Ultimately, the temples of the Holy Ghost that the scripture calls us. If I can tear down their house. <laughs> He's trying to burn your house down. But we are extinguishing all of that today. Amen? Yeah, we, we're, 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 we're putting that fire out with the living water. Come on, somebody. Undealt with disappointment can lead to bodily disability. Undealt with disappointment can lead to bodily disability. Amen? Somebody say dwelling. Dwelling. T talking for a second on dwelling. As I was doing my research, so some of my research uh, is in the realm of psychology. I'm trying to get, you know, to the, the psychological aspect of disappointment. And in doing my research and studies, according to Psych Central, which is um, a, a secular outlet that's dealing with uh, the natural side of this thing, they even said this, stop dwelling on your disappointments. Dwelling does not change the person or situation. Say that again. Dwelling does not change the person or situation. Sometimes we get so preoccupied with thinking about a situation, they say, that does not meet our needs that we create unnecessary stress, okay? Sometimes we get so preoccupied with thinking about a situation that does not meet our needs that we create unnecessary stress. Thinking does not change a negative situation, but it will change how you feel. When you catch yourself thinking negatively, redirect and focus on positive solutions. Doesn't that sound like Thanksgiving? Mm-hmm. Amen. And these are psychologists who are suggesting this based off of the psychological studies involving uh, that of disappointment. Uh, I remember in a sermon that Bishop preached, he talked about how we need to stop rehearsing our resentments, how we need to stop remembering our regrets, how we need to stop reinforcing our remorse, and how we need to stop reacting in our relationships because of it. And so, why do you keep thinking about that aspect of it? Why does it keep running through your mind? Why am I rehearsing that? Mm -hmm. why, why am I thinking about that point of it, you know? And so, the enemy wants you to continue to uh, rehearse uh, your resentment and remember your regrets and reinforce your remorse um, because he knows that that can get you to lose hope. And he wants you to lose hope so that you can be defeated, so that you can be apathetic, and so that you cannot care anymore, even though God cares for you. And so dwelling is an important word here. Um, and when I thought about it, I thought about uh, attention, you know, to, to dwell essentially is to uh, give something your attention, you know, for a repeated time. Um, but I thought about something else. I thought about how the scripture declares that God can literally be our dwelling place. How about that? That he can be the place that we dwell. And so at the beginning of this pandemic, 
one of the scriptures that we were standing on, which we still need to be standing on, is what David gave us in Psalm 91. He that dwelleth in the secret place of the Most High shall abide under the shadow of the Almighty. I will say of the Lord, he is my refuge and my fortress. My God in him will I trust. Surely he shall deliver thee from the snare of the fowler and from the noisome pestilence. He shall cover thee with his feathers and under his wings shall thou trust. His truth shall be thy shield and buckler. Thou shalt not be afraid for the terror by night, nor for the arrow that flieth by day, nor for the pestilence that walketh in darkness, nor for the destruction that wasteth at noonday. A thousand shall fall at thy side, and ten thousand at thy right hand, but it shall not come nigh thee. That's a no way moment. Hallelujah. Psalm 34 says, I will bless the Lord when? At all times. <laughs> Disappointed times even. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. Come on, somebody. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That means regularly. It means constantly. It means without interruption. His praise shall continually be in my mouth. My soul shall make its boast in the Lord. The humble shall hear thereof and be glad. Oh, magnify the Lord with me and let us exalt his name together. David said, I sought the Lord. He heard me and he delivered me from all of my fears. Oh, magnify the Lord with me. What are we magnifying? Are we magnifying our disappointment or are we magnifying our God? What are you making bigger? What are you talking about all the time? Do you talk about what you're going through all the time, or do you talk about who's bringing you through and who's bringing you out? Magnify the Lord. You'll feel better, I'm telling you. Magnify the Lord with me. The, the studies showed you that, and the scripture showed you that. Okay, let's go here. I want to talk to you for a second about the road. Somebody say the road. Um, I want to look at Luke 24. Uh, 13. We're going to start at 13. We're going to do a little reading. Luke 24, 13 through 35. Let's see. Luke 24, 13 through 35. The road. And we're going to start at the New King James Version. Luke 24, 13 through 35. Um, so what's going on here, just to give a little backdrop, is that um, Jesus, he has been crucified. Uh, he's been buried in that borrowed tomb. And now the three days have happened, and he has been found to not be there um, anymore. Uh, but, you know, at this point, the word is going around, um, you know, that the one, the Messiah, you know, that they believed in is now a dead man. And, and so people are dealing with conflict as to was he really the messiah uh, are they just saying is he really not there and so it's a it's a lot going on and so in verse 13 we see this road uh to emmaus and on this road there are two disciples or two followers in that day of christ and so let's take a look at this story it says in 13 
Now behold, two of them were traveling that same day to a village called Emmaus, which was seven miles from Jerusalem. And they talked together of all these things which had happened. So it was while they conversed and reasoned that Jesus himself drew near and went with them. Because remember, he walked the earth uh, after, you know, after he left the tomb. Uh, But their eyes were restrained. (laughs) Somebody say dirty lens. Their eyes were restrained so that they did not know him. And he said to them, what kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? Uh Uh-oh, isn't that an emotion that's dealing with disappointment? What kind of conversation is this that you have with one another as you walk and are sad? 18 says, then the one whose name was Cleopas answered and said to him, are you the only stranger in Jerusalem? In other words, have you been hiding under a rock? Now, he'll realize he's talking to Jesus. Are you the only stranger in Jerusalem, and and have you not known the things which happened there in these days? And he said to them, what things? (laughs) I love Jesus. So, So they say to him, the things concerning Jesus of Nazareth, who was a prophet, mighty in deed and word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests And our rulers uh, delivered him to be condemned to death and crucified him. But we were hoping. uh (laughs) Uh-oh. But we were hoping. Somebody say, but we were hoping. But we were hoping that it was he who was going to redeem Israel. We were hoping that he really was who he said he was. Mm Mm-hmm. Indeed, besides all this, today is the third day since these things happened. Yes, and certain women of our company who arrived at the tomb early astonished us. When they did not find his body, they came saying that they had also seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. And certain of those who were with us went to the tomb and found it just as the women had said, but him they did not see. Verse 25 says, then he said to them, oh, foolish ones, (laughs) and slow of heart to believe. Yeah, he just called them foolish and slow. Uh Uh-huh, yeah, that's Jesus' praise. To believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Yes, slow of heart to believe in all that the prophets have spoken. Are you believing in some? Are you believing in all of what God has said? 26, ought not the Christ to have suffered these things and to enter into his glory? In other words, wasn't this a part of the plan? And begin, (sighs) what if I told you that disappointment was a part of the plan? (laughs) And beginning at Moses and all the prophets, he expounded to them in all the scriptures the things concerning himself. Okay? Mm, I want to go to the message real quick. Mm -hmm. Let's go to the message. Yeah, Lord. That's it. This is it. This is the last thing. Okay, let's go back to 13. I want to make sure you get this. The road to Emmaus. 
That same day, two of them were walking in the village, Emmaus, about seven miles out from Jerusalem. They were deep in conversation. First of all, they were doing some serious walking. Seven miles out. Amen. That's a workout. Um, They were deep in conversation, going over all these things that had happened. Okay? In the middle of their talk and questions, Jesus came up and walked along with them, but they were not able to recognize who he was. Come on, come on, come on, come on, come on. Doesn't that sound like dumping your head in disappointment? They were so enthralled in, in, in their talk of their disappointments that Jesus was walking right beside them, and they could not recognize him. Goodness was all around them. The epitome of, of goodness was right with them, even talking to them. And some of us, we think that God isn't talking to me anymore. And some of us, we think that I'm not hearing from God. But am I even availing myself to recognize his voice? Am I availing myself to see who he is? And so he asks, what's this you're discussing so intently as you walk along? They just stood there, remember, distracted. They just stood there, long-faced, like they had lost their best friend. Got to love the message. Then one of them, his name was Cleopas, said, are you the only one in Jerusalem who hasn't heard what's happening during the last few days? He said, what has happened? They said, the things that happened to Jesus, the Nazarene. He was a man of God, a prophet, dynamic and working word, blessed by both God and all the people. Then our high priests and leaders betrayed him, got him sentenced to death, and crucified him. And we had our hopes up that he was the one. (laughs) The one about to deliver Israel. And it is now the third day since it happened, but now some of our women have completely confused us. Women will do that to you, I tell you. No, I'm just (laughs) Early this morning, they were at the tomb and couldn't find his body. They came back with the story that they had seen a vision of angels who said he was alive. Some of our friends went off to the tomb to check and found it empty, just as the women said, but they didn't see Jesus. Then he said to them, so thick-headed, so slow-hearted, why can't you simply believe all? Why can't you simply believe all? Why can't you simply believe all the prophet said? Don't you see that these things had to happen? My God. I'm here to tell you that as you continue to journey on with Christ, then you will be, if you just keep on keeping on, then you will begin to see how some of the very things that disappointed you on your journey had to happen. That they were a part of the glory that was to be revealed. He said, don't you see that these things had to happen? That the Messiah had to suffer, which scripture says we'll have to do as well, and only then enter into his glory? We want to enter into his glory without suffering. Then he started at the beginning with the books of Moses and went all through the prophets, pointing out everything in the scriptures that referred to him. So let's park here. Jesus is taking them head out of disappointment and head into the word of God. Jesus is showing them how to 
open up their eyes. Jesus is showing them how to lift their heads and how to uh, even lift their hearts. He's literally bringing them to scripture. And I want to know again, where do you run when you're confused? Where, where do you run when you're heavy hearted? Where do you go when you're disappointed? Jesus is showing them that you have to go to the word of God. I love it. This is the same Jesus that when he was tempted in the garden after fasting, when the enemy came to him and tried to get him to eat, and he told the enemy, he quoted scripture from Deuteronomy, that man shall not live by bread alone, but by every word that proceedeth out of the mouth of God. And if Jesus used the scriptures, then what you waiting on? So he points their heads to the scriptures. Mind you, he didn't reveal who he was yet because if you get your head in the scriptures, you'll begin to see exactly who he is. They came to the edge of the village where they were headed. He acted as if he were going on, but they pressed him, stay and have supper with us. They invited Jesus in, okay? They didn't just allow for the head to be in scripture on Sunday during live. See, it didn't happen yet. That didn't do it. Their head has been in scripture. That's, that's good. This, this is a start. But they didn't want for that just to be a moment. They didn't want that to be a Wednesday night L word. Okay? So they said, stay and have supper with us. And so... When it comes to our relationship with God and our relationship with, with Jesus and the word, we have to beg to, to, to question, are we inviting uh, for, for him to visit or are we inviting for him to stay? Okay? Because they said stay and have supper with us, commune with us, spend some time with us. It's nearly evening. The day is done. So he went in with them. And here is what happened. He sat down at the table with them. Taking the bread, he blessed and broke and gave it to them. He allowed for them to partake of him. At that moment, open-eyed, wide-eyed, they recognized him. Hallelujah. And then he disappeared. Back and forth they talked. Didn't we feel on fire as he conversed with us on the road, as he opened up the scriptures for us? My Lord, <laughs> my Lord, my Lord. The road, somebody say the road. This road is interesting to me because, remember, I gave you a quick synopsis of the backdrop and the context of the scripture here in Luke 24. And this road, this road uh, is a walk of shame of sorts. That's how it starts, you know, a walk of hopelessness. Essentially, they were hanging their heads low, and the scripture says that uh, they were long-faced, and verse 21 says that we were hoping. Anybody been there? And, and so they were sad, and, and because of what they were hoping for, they felt like it didn't happen. But one of my favorite parts of this passage, and I'm closing, y'all. One of my favorite 
parts of my life and one of maybe even my favorite parts of your life or one of my favorite parts of someone uh, that you may know's life is that aren't you glad that Jesus will meet you on the road? Come on, somebody. Hallelujah. I said, aren't you glad that Jesus will meet you on the road? Aren't you so glad that how you feel doesn't disqualify you from Jesus meeting you on the road? Aren't you so glad that he's not afraid of or intimidated by my hopelessness? Come on, somebody. My heavy heart doesn't cancel the involvement of his righteous hand. Come on now. I said my heavy heart does not cancel the He still wants to have something to do with me even when I don't see him as he is. Even when he's right beside me and I'm ignoring him. Even when I don't recognize him moving in my life. Even when goodness is all around me and my head is dumped in disappointment that that still doesn't qualify me from being met on the road. Can anybody take a moment to look back on a road that you found yourself traveling on. For some, it may have been a road of destruction, or for some, it may have been a road of addiction, or for some, it may have been a road of corruption, and for some, it may have been a road of self-destruction. I don't know what your road was, but aren't you so glad that Jesus met you on the road? Somebody give God praise right here. Aren't you so glad that when you were sinking deep in sin, far from the peaceful shore, very deeply stained within, seeking to rise no more. Our master, our master, our master of the sea, our master of the storm, our master of what I was going through. He heard my despairing cry and from the waters he lifted me. Now safe am I. Somebody give him praise right here. Aren't you so glad that Jesus met you on the road. Because if the truth were told, your travels on the road ran a lot of folk away. Yeah, yeah, yeah. If the truth were told, a lot of people gave up on you while you were on the road. Come on, somebody. Can we tell the truth about it? A lot of your friends showed you that they really weren't your friends while you were on the road. Somebody talked about you on the road. Somebody was ashamed of you on the road. Somebody abandoned you on the road. But aren't you so glad that Jesus, Jesus, Jesus met you on the road. He met you in your darkness. He met you in your defeat. He met you in your midnight hour. I'm here to tell you that I'm so glad that Jesus met me on the road. Come on, this is a moment to give him praise. I don't know your story. I don't know what your testimony is. But I can bet you that if you've been walking as a believer for any amount of time, that you can look back over your life and think things over. And you can see that Jesus met you on the road. Come on, somebody give him praise. Somebody give him praise. Somebody give him praise. Yeah. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Thank you for meeting me. When nobody else wanted to meet with me, when nobody else wanted to talk to me, when I wasn't even treating you right, you still met me on the road. And so I say to you this morning, 
that no matter what place you feel like you're in regarding disappointment, you may feel overwhelmed as you take a look at all the things that you realize are disappointing you. The good news is this. As you deal with disappointment, you don't have to deal alone. As you deal with disappointment, you do not have to deal alone. Jesus, imagine, out of everything that's going on in Scripture right there, out of, I mean, people, I mean, the, the town is talking and, and people are talking of visions and, and seeing that he's not there and Pontius Pilate's crew is freaking out. Everything is going on. And he took that time to go meet two hopeless, disappointed followers of his on the road. I don't care what's going on. Corona, injustice. I don't care what's going on. It could be everything going on. Jesus will still make time to meet you on the road. So what you have to do is allow him to do his work. Get, get into the scripture. Just that Jesus, he, he came. If I were you, I would play, pay close attention to this scripture. Because this is one of the last things that he showed us. He came to give us an example. And one of the last things that he showed us in scripture before he ascended is he showed us how to deal with disappointment. <laughs> he showed us how to go to scripture for clarity, for revelations, so that we can see him in it. A lot of us, we, we think that we no longer can see God in it think that all hope is lost. <laughs> but as I look at the scripture, one of the other things really blessed me is verse 32, it says, back and forth they talk. Didn't we feel on fire as he conversed with us on the road, as he opened up the scriptures for us? I'm here to tell you that some of you, you feel like you've lost your fire that some of you, you, you feel as if you've lost your zeal and you don't feel the way you used to feel. I'm here to tell you that you can get your fire back. <laughs> as long as you're still alive, you can get your fire back. And it can burn like never before. Like a burning fire, consume us, oh God. Hallelujah. Didn't we feel on fire as he conversed with us on the road? Mind you, they were still on the road. But they invited Jesus in the midst. They ended up opening up their eyes. They, they let him in. They didn't allow it to be a visitation, you know, in that way, a, a moment, an instant. They let him in. He stayed with them. He conversed with them. And afterward, they said, didn't we feel on fire? Do you see how their conversation changed? <laughs> didn't we feel on fire as he conversed with us on the road? It's time to get your fire back. It's time to deal with this disappointment. It's time to uproot some things. 
It's time to, to, to sow some new seed. It's time to be honest with yourself, with God. It's time to dig your head out of disappointment and, and dig your head into some scripture. Get an understanding. Allow God to reveal himself so that you can be on fire again. Hallelujah. Somebody give God some glory. <laughs> Somebody give God some glory. Somebody give God some praise. Whew, well, we thank you so much for watching, and it is truly our prayer that you were blessed on today by part three of dealing with disappointment. God has really given us some tools. He's really helping us here. Please allow for him to help you. Um, I'm just so grateful. I'm so grateful. And I'm grateful for you for watching. However, we don't want to take for granted, we're not going to end here, we don't want to take for granted that everybody watching is saved and knows God as their Lord and Savior, Jesus as their Savior, and God as their Father, and Holy Spirit as their best friend. And so we want to invite you into the family of God. We want to invite you to be the saved of God, uh, not just a creation of His, um, but a son of His, a daughter of His. And if you're out there and you're saying, you know what, I don't know if I'm going to heaven. I don't know if I'm going to experience um, the abundant life on earth. Well, let's, let's, let's get to know. And the way that we know is by confessing with our mouths, as the scripture says, and believing in our hearts that God raised his son Jesus from the dead. And if we say it and we really believe it, we now are the saved of God. And so I'm going to pray this prayer. And if you pray it with me, you're saved. Father, in the name of Jesus, I come to you now as a sinner in need of a Savior. I confess with my mouth and believe with my heart that your son Jesus died on the cross for my sins, but got up on the third day with all power in his hand. I believe that he is now seated on your right hand, interceding for me. I am saved in the name of Jesus. Amen. Well, that's it. Let's clap it up for anybody who prayed that prayer for the first time or rededicating. Go ahead and do me a favor and type, I am saved, if you just received Jesus and became a part of the family of God. But I want to let you know also that just as a relationship is important, fellowship is also important. The word says to not forsake the gathering of the believers. And even now as we gather uh, by the means of technology, it's important for you to have a covering. A covering is not physical. It's not about a building. It's a spiritual. And so he wants you to have a covering. He wants you to have a pastor. He wants you to have a church family. And so if that's you and you're saying, I want to become a part of the Wapsie family, I want to become a part of what God is doing at the WAP, then go ahead at this time and type, I'm part of the family, and we will welcome you in. Amen. Bless God. Let's clap it up for anybody who may have become a part of the family in that way. Amen. Well, we love you guys, and again, we appreciate you for joining us, and we just pray um, that your day and that your week is filled with abundance. Amen.